Welcome to my corner where things are a little strange, creepy, and funny. All curious cats are welcome to join me on today's adventure. My name is Kat, and if you're ready, take my hand and let's begin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today, for joining me if it's your first time. Hey, I'm Kat, and this is my Curious Corner. If it's not and you're returning, thank you so much for coming back and hanging out with your girl. We have a fun episode planned for today. I'm going to be talking about mermaids. Mermaids and misery. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So... This is actually going to be a two-part episode. The first part, I want to talk to you about how I came across this idea, what inspired this episode, and then I'm going to revisit one of our childhood favorites, and we're going to talk about it. I want to I sit there and, and I, I want to share my thoughts on re-watching a movie about mermaids that we very much mostly all of us know and love I want to tell you my thoughts as re-watching it as an adult and then the second part of this episode which will be uploaded at a later date is going to more so focus on the history on the mythology on the legends and how across different not only continents but different points in our history, we actually have had stories uh, that have been written or shared about mermaids. So, if this is it, if this just seems interesting to you and you're ready to have a good time, get ready. We're about to take off. Alright, so you're strapped in, you're ready for the journey, thank you, thank you, thank you once again. I want to, before we uh, continue on to the episode, I just want to say I'm sorry if my voice sounds a little bit scratchy, you know, I have some congestion issues, you know, I may have to stop every once in a while and cough because unfortunately I have allergies and I'm trying to work on them. I'm trying to get myself together, but I'm hoping that it does not affect this episode too much and it doesn't bother you. Alright, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the good stuff, cause we gon' have some fun. We gon' have some fun. Alright, alright, enough, 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 enough. So, you want to know my thoughts, don't you? Do you? Do you want to know them? Yes, can't share your thoughts. We want to know them. Okay, all right. I gotcha. I gotcha. Don't you worry. So, I was one day minding my own business, scrolling through TikTok as one does when they are bored. And what happened? I came across this one TikTok of this guy on this boat and... I think it was, I'll, I'll try to, at a later date, like probably like next episode, I'll, I'll um, if not by the end, I'll share his username. But basically he was on a boat, he's a fisherman. He throws a crab over 
that like came onto the boat. He throws it over. It goes over. And like 30 seconds later, like he's carrying on normal talking, whatever, you know. And then all of a sudden, something throws a crab back. All right. That was pretty freaky, pretty interesting, whatever. I visit some some of his other videos, and then I find myself down the mermaid TikTok rabbit hole. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, for all you older millennials out there, all you older folks listening, there is a TikTok for literally everything. And I found myself in that section of TikTok where people share videos, stories, and all that about mermaids. So that was the inspiration behind today's episode. And my thought process and the way it works is, yeah, I want to get into this. I want to do some research. I want to share with my listeners. I think this would be a pretty fun and cool idea because it's a little bit creepy, you know, a little bit curious. And that's what we're all about here in, in, you know, in this podcast. That's what we do. That's what we explore. And I love when I can find something that's like media related and I could tie it into these creepy things that have happened to different individuals or throughout history. And then we could talk about it and we can see if we learned any lessons from it by the end of the episode. So, that after going down on that rabbit hole, the first logical step I thought was to go ahead and watch Little Mermaid. I had not watched Little Mermaid in about, I would say like, maybe at least a decade. So I decided it would be, it would be a good idea to start there first, watch it, give you my thoughts, and then we could go on to the creepier side of the mermaid world. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about my girl, Ariel, her journey. Uh, How did Kat see it through her little baby cat eyes versus how she sees it now as a big girl cat. So one thing's for sure that baby cat and big girl cat still enjoy the music. Baby cat. I believe, if I remember correctly, this was one of her top favorite movies as a child. It, she loved, well, okay, let me stop speaking in third person. (laughs) But yeah, I loved, as a kid growing up, I loved the music, I loved the colors, I loved the storyline, I loved the fantasy of it. I love the happily ever after. I love the way that the the characters, I guess, uh, the depiction of love between the characters, like their love story, their progression, how they met originally, how they found each other. I also liked, I remember that Ursula, the villain, like she creeped me out, but it was like kind of like a, a 
I don't know. I've always been kind of like twisted like that. I like being scared, low-key. <laughs> I like things that were creepy, like, all the time. Like, ever, I, I'm still like that. Uh, but, yeah. So, at the beginning of the movie, it actually starts off, we're, we're first introduced to Eric. And I remember that baby cat, as a child, uh, you know these little cartoons, you know, they were looking kind of fine. Like, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else caught cartoon crushes. But, like, as an adult, looking back, I know that a lot of the princes, the Disney princess, the, like, they all, all the prince, princes looked, like, almost identical. They all, like, had, like, this kind of, uh, they, they look similar. The dark hair, you know, that that jawline uh tell me tell act like you don't know act like you don't know for my fifos listening out there y'all know y'all know as a kid like that that was you know that was looking kind of fine even though we didn't really know what it was but yeah so yeah we're introduced to him first and then it segues into the introduction to ariel where she's actually supposed to be singing it, singing at a concert. I I guess it was uh, for her father, King Tri- Triton. Uh, and she's a no-show, right? So this, as an adult, was one of the things that stood out to me. That throughout the movie, Ariel is actually... Even though she's, like, the protagonist, I noticed that she's not, I I don't know if it was immaturity because she was young, she was only about 16, and then Eric, we find him when they meet, I guess, for the first time, or when she rescues him, it's actually, like, I think his 18th birthday, but anyways, Ariel is actually kind of an asshole throughout this. If you think about just like just go back if you guys haven't watched it I'm going to I'm going to break it down I'm going to give you you know the gist like a quick recap but if you really pay attention to how Ariel acts throughout this movie bruh bruh like she's not very like she's she's really like self-centered and inconsiderate of the people around her and I think that 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 first introduction to her where she's a no-show at that concert as an adult like I think that if I were to see this movie and just separate myself from what I thought about it as a child and then actually like make may pretend that this was the first time I'm seeing it seeing it as an adult I don't know if I would have been an Ariel fan as beautiful as they depicted her because at the time, you know, like, she, the way, like, the, the movie goes, like, the animation, her beautiful hair, it's just, like, throughout, I guess, history, right, uh, the depiction of mermaids, 
right, and sirens, they've always been depicted as, like, something so beautiful. And her beautiful red hair, you know, that's a trademark. Like, her beautiful face, all that, right? But, like, that also made me think, like, in reality, which is one thing that we're going to talk about, like, next episode when we continue this one, is just think about it, think about it. In reality, would she really be that pretty if she was a mermaid? Because even though she might look like she has the upper torso of a human, but for you to be able to breathe underwater, not only would your bottom half have to be like, you know, fish-like, but you would also have to have gills or, or something for you to actually be able to breathe underwater. And I guess, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't think that the way that we fantasize mermaids and the way they look, I don't think that if they do in, actually exist, I don't think that that's the case. But anyways... I digress because that's something that we're actually going to talk about next episode. But yeah, so Ariel seems to be the, throughout the movie, she's the baby of all of her siblings, all of her other sisters. And she seems to be, from the vibe that I got, like watching it as, rewatching it as an adult, she seems to be her father's favorite child. Which I know what it is to grow up the baby of the family but I feel like Ariel she had like she there was like something you know she was they took it to the freaking extreme I don't know if it was because her dad like felt bad for her because she probably didn't have as much interaction with her mom before she was deceased if if you guys know like this is actually there's actually three parts to the Ariel to, to the Little Mermaid movie there's a prequel, and then there's a second part, but the first one that we're introduced to is the one that we're talking about today, where she's 16, and it's kind of like her story about how she got her happily ever after. That's another thing that I think that, as an adult, stood out to me, aside from that. We're going to continue to progress throughout the... I'll, I'll give you guys some highlights of the of the movie if you guys haven't watched it in a while and have forgotten but one of the other things that it kind of like reminded me as I was watching this is the fact that as a child especially as a female child as baby cat I feel like media and like the things that we watched it always like conditioned us to believe that a happily ever after looked a certain way and in this case, at, like throughout the entire movie, it's basically focused on how Ariel wanted to escape, I guess, her family life, her boring little sea life where she really could do anything that she wanted and collect whatever she wanted and fantasize about the surface. But she ultimately traded that in because she was actually unhappy down there. And the way that she was able to trade that in was through a man, through her happily ever after. So that that's what I feel like throughout uh, looking back at it now. Like a lot of us were conditioned not only through society, right? But also 
like you know like our different cultures or whatever like if you're hispanic or if you're you know you know your your parents are from a, a different country i think you had one experience but then like if you grew up like american like you grew up in this country uh you may have had another one but i think that up until very recently that's one of the things that like females have always been encouraged to do is like to cling on to a man in order to get that happily ever after in order to escape that current reality and mind you this movie actually came out in like 1989 i think and i mean it wasn't like the 1950s but i feel like it's still something that was very much part of the culture still I mean, thank God that now nowadays, like, women, we can actually, like, you know, we go to school, we can, we have more, more of a choice, we're not just viewed as property, but I just find it very interesting that, uh, that's, I think some of us have a, like, a skewed, uh, sense of what happily ever after looks like, and a lot of it is influenced by what we watched as little children, and I think that this Especially, like, in my case, this was one of the, those contributors. Because now as an adult, right, my happily ever after, I don't even think that there's such thing as a happily ever after, right? I think that we strive more so to be, to try to find contentment and fulfillment. But you can't, you also can't forget that life can change in just a moment. Like, in... And, and also, like, just one bad decision, one bad decision can have a ripple effect throughout your life, and it can change the trajectory of your life, and it can put you in situations where, like, you, that one, that one decision that you made can kind of haunt you for years to come. So, as an adult, looking back... I kind of think that, like, yes, the fantasy of it is cool. Like, you know, it, it's nice that, like, it's nice to have those those moments to, you know, use your imagination and fantasize and everything like that. But I think that it would be better in a way. And I'm not saying, obviously, it has to be, like, measured and it has to be reasonable. But I, I think that kids should be given a wider view and and like picture of things it shouldn't just be like okay you're beautiful you get a hot guy you guys you know there's a little bit of adversary adverse adversity and then after that you guys get together and you live happily ever after and that's it nah honey that does not work that way and I think that it's important to like teach these kids but anyways back to the movie so ariel ends up missing the concert because she decided that she wanted to explore so she's out here exploring a shipwreck collecting her little items and then we're also introduced to two other characters at this point. We're introduced to Flounder, the little fish, and we're introduced, after this scene, we're introduced to Scuttle, 
the seagull. So, in her interactions with uh, Flounder throughout this, like, this is the part where he almost gets eaten by a shark. And it's like, you know that he's scared, right? He shows that he's scared. He doesn't want to actually be there. He's very apprehensive. And from what I gathered, it looks like he's like, he, he I think he's a little bit younger than her, maybe? Uh, and he still goes along with it to appease her because she's kind of like, uh, you know, encouraging him or like, I guess, peer pressuring him into like going to explore with her. But mind you, not once did Ariel stop to think about his feelings and say, all right, you don't have to come with me or, oh, okay, just wait for me in a safe area. No, she drags him along and almost gets him eaten. And one of the things that are funny is that during, uh, during like what this part, it's like they're running away from the shark and she ends up like, uh, dropping her bag of the stuff that she had collected and she actually goes back to grab the freaking bag. So what does that tell you right there? That tells you that she's all about her items, right? Like in a way, I guess like she, you can be like, you can maybe... I don't know if I would say that she's a hoarder, but she's definitely, I guess, in a way, materialistic. That's kind of like what I gathered with that. Next, we're introduced after this scene. We're actually introduced. She she takes over. They escape the shark. She takes over the um. She takes her items over to Scuttle the seagull, and he's out here trying to tell her what they are. You know. He t- tells her that a fork is a straightener, like a hair straightener or something like that. But anyways, um, obviously he's wrong in a lot of his assessments and the u- the, the, the actual uses for the items that she brings. But, you know, I, I actually like Scuttle. Like, I thought he was a f- he's a funny uh, character. But after that, we're actually introduced to Ursula for the first time. We find that Ursula is actually watching Ariel. And I think that the introduction to Ursula, like, I just find it funny, like, the way she was, like, they drew her. She's an octopus, right? She kind of, I guess, like, she's she kind of has some, like, sex appeal in a way. Like, the way she, like, moves. Like, she's kind of, like, feminine. I don't know if I would say fe- sex appeal. But she does have, like, feminine tendencies, like... Her, like, the way she, like, glides or whatever throughout the, uh, you know, like, her area, like, in the ways that she talks. So, I think that this becomes, like, important later on. Uh, later on in the movie. But we can see that she's kind of, like, bitter and scorned. Like, there's actually, like, there's definitely a backstory because she does let us know that she used to live in the castle. So, I don't know where I heard this, if I, like, am imagining this, but apparently, I think that actually her and the king are actually related somehow, and I think she was outcasted. So, I think that 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 also, like, becomes a little bit important just to consider, like, maybe this is why she acts the way that she does. And, I don't know, as an adult, 
I don't look like as a child. Yeah, Ursula was scary. She looked ugly to me. You know, they made her like fat in a different color. Like, but as an adult, I look at her in a completely different way. I'm kind. I kind of almost am sympathetic. Uh, to her because it's like okay. It looks like she kind of got shafted. Like she got a bad end of the deal. I don't know what the actual backstory is and why she ended up outcasted or the way she was or if she was always evil but I mean it's interesting so we find so next uh we find that she goes back and she uh Ariel goes back and she realizes that she missed the concert and she tries to apologize to her dad by the way, I actually forgot to mention earlier on one of my favorite characters, which was Sebastian. Sebastian, Sebastian, Sebastian. He was so funny throughout this entire thing. But eventually, he finds her hideout space, her her hideout, like where she puts all of her items after, you know, her her dad yelled at her but it was mostly I felt like it was mostly Sebastian that was pissed off at her because you know I think that her dad was blinded because she's such she's so like so much his favorite that like even when he reprimanded her it was like typical thing like sometimes I don't know I'm not a parent yet but like some parents say that like when they whenever they reprimand or they correct their kids or they put them on punishment sometimes it hurts them more than it hurts them type deal but yeah so one thing that I like as a kid I used to love that song part of your world that thing for me I don't know it was just like I I really really liked it and but as an adult it's like as she's going through all these like you know, all these things, like how she wants to, you know, be, be out in the sun or whatever, or be able to walk, you know, all that stuff. Like, I'm just sitting there thinking like, girl, like she, it's like tip, the, the typical, like the grass is greener on the other side type of thing where you think like, for instance, like when you're a kid, you want to grow up so freaking bad, like only to discover that once you're an adult, this shit sucks. This sucks. Because not only do you get more responsibility, you get less time to actually, like, enjoy your life. Because because of those responsibilities, you have to find a way to sustain yourself, to pay your freaking bills, so therefore you have to work. And 9 out of 10 times, you don't even actually enjoy your job. So that, like, sucks, you know? So... I think it's it's funny because it's like you can you can look at it like in her eyes like she's looking at the surface as something that was going to be so much greater than like life under the sea. But honey, wait till you get up here. Wait till you get up here even though she technically ends up being not only a princess down in the sea but she marries a princess like a prince in the land. So therefore and you know she would eventually, I guess, be a queen or whatever. But either way, she's royalty, right? But either way, like, it's not it's not that great up here, you know. You, I'm pretty sure that 
like the fact that eventually like you know she has to leave her her family and her people like that probably tore her up like in the second movie i know that like they touch on it but anyways yeah that to me like as an adult like i think it's 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 funny because it's so true like even like you can look at it as like a child or you can look at it just anyone who's trying to rush past or trying to like either like rush through a phase in life or tries to always look at what other people have or or live more in the in the fantasy and in the future than uh they live in the present so I think that like it's it's important to just try to find things that we're grateful for in the present and don't think that okay this is what I need to be happy once I'm here I'm gonna be truly happy because that's bs like that does not like I said before like life can change in like a second you could make one bad decision and all that shit that you were for could be gone you get what I'm saying so it doesn't mean that you're gonna be like truly happy um when you you're projecting yourself or or imagining yourself in another stage in another world so I think that 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 to me is like just looking at Ariel it's like it's taking all these things together right she to me I would describe her as like a self-centered brat right the fact that she's disobedient, the fact that she, like, puts her, places her own desires over her friends' lives at, at times, like, she drags people into situations because she wants to do what she wants to do, like, she's immature, right? And, again, it could be because at this point she's, you know, a teenager, she's, like, 16, but still, it's like, as a child, like, I wouldn't have picked up on this. Like, I thought that, okay, Ariel, get your man, get, like, I want you to come up into the surface, I want you to get those legs, girl, because you deserve it, because that's what you want, you know, but now as an adult, I'm just like, Ariel, sit your little butt down, just sit, sit your little ass down, like, uh, chill for a moment, everything that you think is, like, gonna be perfection up in the surface is not, and on top of that, like, you need to appreciate your family and your surroundings. And if you end up actually still deciding that you want to be with Eric, right? That's all fine and dandy, but go into that prepared and, like, wait a while. Because you still, like, you still way too young. Like, a real-life teenager at that point, like, they're just getting their, teen their, their permit, right? And mind you, I know that, like, there's some people who are you know, they have kids young or whatever, but still, like, and I, I guess that, that, that also changes the dynamic, but, like, typically, at that point, like, what, you're, like, a sophomore going into junior year, and you're, you're getting your permit, you're excited about that, like, in the next few years, you're gonna, you know, you're probably focused on, like, prom, and, and graduating everything so like just chill out and the same thing like once you're like 21 or whatever like I know that a lot of people like think oh like a lot of females like they think like oh man like I need I need to find a man I need to be married by this age 
Like, I know that that was something that was, like, totally me. But now looking back, I'm like, yo, I was not ready. If I had gotten those things back then, like, I was really not ready. Like, I would have messed it up because I was immature. And I just, I wasn't thinking about, like, the bigger picture. I wasn't thinking about, like, what my, like, struggles were, what my limitations were, what it would be like to, you know, actually get into a, uh, a marriage, because, like, that's work, you know, just a regular relationship, like, even the, uh, let's just keep it simple, like, even a friendship is work, you know, especially as you get older and you start getting busier with stuff, like, you just, it, it takes so much effort to keep people, even the people that you love, like, in your life, like, I'm so busy most of the time that I don't even, like, you know, I love my parents to death, but I hardly, like, see them. And we don't even live that far from each other, you know? Because, it, unfortunately, it's like that. So, uh, relationships are work, and it's not all just, you know, butterflies and, and flowers and candy and all that crap. Nah. Like, you know, work through, work through your problems, Ariel, girl address what you gotta address what is it that's making you want to be in the surface so bad why do you uh, why are you idealizing that like why do you think it's so much better than life in the sea and what is it gonna be like when you turn back like if you do end up going to the surface and you can't go back to the sea like what is that gonna be like are you gonna be happy then i think not ariel so you better calm that little fast ass down please thank you Alright, anyway, so we find ourselves in uh, Ariel's little hideout where we find out that Sebastian followed her there and he's he's gonna, most likely, you already know he's about to snitch. He's about to tell her daddy. But something happens where, like, he ends up, she ends up finding out that he's there and then they end up getting distracted by the ship that's going through. Of course... Ariel's little curious behind has to go up and see and this is where we get a better uh I guess more in-depth introduction to Eric uh we see you know I I would like to take a moment first off and just appreciate this man's you know number one his hair his eyebrows and his eyes Oh yeah, and that chin. You know, for him being a cartoon, like I said before, like you know, I think it, it you know, it, it it was sinful for them to draw him like that. Like they should have made him less attractive. Anyways, so this happens to be you know, his birthday, you know, on the ship or whatever, and. They're getting ready. I think this is where, like, they end up unveiling a statue of, like, his statue or whatever. And you see that, like, he's not impressed. And they're also, they also talk about how, like, they're encouraging him to find a princess. Like, find find his significant other to get married. Which, you know, I, I don't appreciate that. And I get it. It was, like, different times, but... Some parents really are like that or some people really are like that. Like, they really be minding other people's business. <laughs> Let me finish growing up before you start trying to marry me off, please. Thank you. 
you know, because I, th- I feel like 18 is still way too freaking young for a marriage. Like, I mean, if it works out and that's you, that's fine, right? Power to you, you know, like, I'm happy for you. But uh, the reality of it is who you are at 18 is not the same person you're going to be at 25, is not the same person that you're going to be at 30 or, or 40. So that's i think especially nowadays because everyone it's just so easy to freaking get a divorce and and to break up people don't want to fight through those things and they don't want to they don't want to grow together they don't want to like really salvage a relationship because there are so many options out there and again it's like easier like especially now that like both parties in a relationship uh more so than not are the ones like they both uh have a, a stable income right so really, if you really want to be with somebody, it's like you're you're with them out of love, but not so much out of necessity anymore. And love, again, is a tricky thing, but it's throughout this kind of, this is where I start to look at Sebastian, you know, and his spicy talk. Like, I, I, I look at him more so as a, like, the voice of reason in the equation, and flounder is more so like, you know, the I- innocence in the equation. Like he he's innocent. Like he's just, you know, trying to uh, appease his friend or whatever. Uh, but then I look at Ariel and I look at her as more so just I guess like the the impulse. Like she's more so represents impulsivity. Through, through my eyes, like, uh, so it's, it's kind of cool to see, like, those different, uh, like, aspects, like, in the different, like, the, the different personification of those, like, things through the characters, but, uh, eventually, right, after all this, uh, there's a shipwreck, and that's where Ariel and Eric end up meeting for the first time because Ariel ends up saving him from the shipwreck. Like, he would have drowned because he went to, he jumped in, like, after, like, him and his crew, like, they got away, but he went to go try to save, I think, his dog, and then, you know, he, he started drowning, and then she saved him, took him to the little, you know, like, the beach, like, the sand, laid his head down gently or whatever you know, gazed into his eyes, admired his beauty while he was unconscious, which, you know, that's a little weird, but we're not going to talk about that. But yeah, so, like, one thing also, like, before we get into the next, I guess, uh, observation that I have, and it involves Eric, before that, I just really think it's interesting how Eric... When, like, the, the folks around him, like, are trying to, like, are, are talking to him or, like, the dude, I don't, I don't know his name, but, like, he tells him, they're, they're talking about him getting a significant other, and he, Eric, states something to the effect of, I'll know when I find her. So, I just think that's, that's pretty interesting, like, his wording there. Because, sir, later on, we're going to find that uh, apparently you didn't really know. 
Because it took one thing to switch up on you for you to then act like you didn't recognize or you didn't realize that that was the one that you actually wanted to be with. So it also, like, when they, I think Ariel, the first time she actually sees Eric, right, which is like, you know, like throughout this whole chain of events, like when she's admiring him before the shipwreck. Like, I find it, it, it like, it, it, I guess it's supposed to be love at first sight. And, yeah, you know, I guess that that works out, like, when you're a teen or whatever. But the reality of it is, like, uh, you can look nice and appealing and everything like that, but uh, what about, like, your character? What about, like, there's so many other things that should play a factor. Like, I get it, like, chemistry and, like, if, especially if the person is aesthetically pleasing to you or whatever. Like, it's easier for you to, like, I guess, fall for them. But is that not just lust at that point? Because you technically don't know anything about this person. Like, he could have, Eric could have really been an a-hole. Like, he could have been a tyrant. And you, you still ended up, like, falling for him and doing all this that you're, all this, all this stuff that you're about to go through right now just to be with him without even knowing if he was, you know, like, a good person or if you actually, like, really loved him. So that's why, like, me as an adult, I look at that whole like, the way it played out, and I'm just like, yo, this is, like, some BS. This is some BS. Like, I do not believe in love at first sight. Like, that's bullshit, especially nowadays. Like, and then just, like, life experience has, it's taught me, like, that you, it's, it's so true, like, it's cliche or whatever. You can't judge a book by its cover because you never really know what's within those pages, Right? Like, you never know. It could be, <laughs> you could have found yourself a serial killer for all you know, but you wouldn't know because you're just looking at the outer shell. You're not looking at who, who the person is inside. And another thing, Ariel, this whole, uh, I'm gonna play Captain save a I'm gonna save that man because he's fine or whatever. Girl, mind your own damn business, please. This is how women get caught up. <laughs> and I'm not just going to say women, but men too. Like, you know, like people will get caught up trying to save somebody else for that person because they see what? Like they think that they see the good in that person. They see the potential, but they'll get caught up in so much and trying to be so loyal and trying to save that person so much that uh, they'll screw themselves over repeatedly right and that's another thing that actually bothered me like looking at it now it's like uh my life experience has taught me uh you can't save nobody who does not want to be saved okay if somebody wants to save themselves or someone wants to change they have to take that initiative and they're the one who has to put in the work right you can't go into it like meeting somebody and then thinking like oh yeah i see so much potential let me let me like just stick by them and help them nah that's why when they get a bag they end up leaving your butt okay that's exactly why because uh 
it doesn't just because someone is allows you to be in their lives or allows you to I guess quote unquote take care of them while they're down doesn't mean that they have the same appreciation for you as you do them and I think that another thing is learning like that I wish that <laughs> these uh these cartoons would have taught us as kids is like to know when to walk away to know when to walk away and shut it down like to know to stop keep like don't don't keep going back don't keep going back and I speak from personal experience like don't keep coming back to something like if somebody wants to do something for you right out of the kindness of their heart they will right uh but you can't force you can't force somebody to change into morph into or to give you what it is that you want right because everyone has free will and sometimes you put yourself out there and you try so hard to fit the mold or to try to like save somebody or to try to be patient with somebody only to end up not only wasting your time but also like end up with scars and things that you can never you can never get rid of like you can never change right uh so my recommendation is mind your own business okay uh when we mind our own business sometimes it like it's it's better it's it's better like focus on yourself save yourself right put your mask on before you try to help somebody else with their mask make sure that your life jacket is put on properly before you try to help somebody else with theirs you get what I'm saying don't be out here because you're trying to save somebody and end up drowning yourself right we need to really really normalize that normalize walking the hell away <laughs> and no and I I'm not okay 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 I'm the type of person like yeah I like to help people and everything but I've noticed that throughout my years right you can only do but so much and if you try to help somebody so much to your own detriment, the one who's going to end up crazy and talking to themselves or uh, just like losing it all is you. What sense does that make, right? In this situation, I know that like, you know, Ariel and him, like they end up together. But really, had she not like gone out of her way to save him, or, like, to try to, like, she wouldn't have had to, like, endure everything that she did after. Which, you know, it it played out well, but in reality, like, in real life, does it really? Like, sometimes you just need to just walk away. Walk away. Uh, you, you can't necessarily always think that you're the one that's going to save that person or that you're going to help them. Or you're the only one that, like, okay, you see the good in them. They have a good heart, but they make bad decisions or like they're, you know, they're screwed up because life has been to them a certain way. So I'm going to be lenient on them. You're not helping anybody. You're definitely not helping yourself and you're not definitely not helping that person. At the end of the day, that person is probably like sucking the life out of you. And you're out here trying to cling on 
and trust me, like I talk from personal experience, like I'm not, I'm not <laughs> out here <laughs> just saying it for the heck of it. Like sometimes instead of you actually being the person to go out of your way to save somebody, maybe your role is just to hook that person up with the resource and then to walk away. Let them take the initiative and let them take whatever steps that they need to take in order to get themselves together, right? Don't think that you have to stand by and play Captain Save-A-Ho in every situation or because somebody looks nice or because you have history. Nah, walk away. Walk away. Let's normalize that. Uh, people who want to be in your life, people who want to respect you, who, want, who, who love you, right? They will do so uh, for free. Like, I, I don't think that it requires, it's not like not a tit for tat, right? And they'll show you. So if you're like in a situation where you're trying to, you know, like how they, you know, the, the whole ride or die culture, uh, especially for the females, do you think that you're going to end up like if you were, if the shoe was on the other foot and let's say you end up going to jail, is that man gonna really like stay by your side like or is he really is he really gonna you know wait for you throughout your your sen sentence is he even gonna like go and and see you and visit you you know uh it's it's more so often that uh no the answer is no for the most part so yeah, that's, that's, like, one thing that I, I caught on, like, and maybe, you know, I, I get it, I get it, life, <laughs> maybe the way my life has, has been and has formed me into what I am today has molded me, maybe I, I'm a little jaded, maybe I'm a little pissed off at times, but I'm just looking at it, like, from the perspective, like, if I had a daughter, right? And my daughter was Ariel. <laughs> I would have told her, like, behind, okay, you can go ahead and give him the, like, life jacket, the plank, whatever, place him on the plank, whatever. But you did too much by staying there and waiting for him to wake up. For what? Why did you do that? Why? What did you get out of that? You were admiring his looks and everything, but... Lo and behold, and little do you know that, that that interaction right there, you're about to risk it all, sis. You're about to risk it all. And you don't even know if this man is about to pick you. I'm just saying. So yeah, continuing on. From that interaction, we find out that Ariel fell in love. Like, she's head over heels out here doing the whole does he love me love me not thing on the flowers uh she's out here just gliding i mean it's cute you know first love and everything i i think we can all think back to that moment where we like had a, our our first crush or our first boyfriend or uh, uh the person that we first could say okay this is actually different this is my first love like we can all remember that and and the butterflies and the excitement behind it and the daydreaming especially like when you're you know younger I don't know it hasn't happened to me now as an adult or anything like that so I I wouldn't know <laughs> I wouldn't know if that's really 
still the case when you uh, fall in love with someone, if you feel the same way, or if it's like more so of a a, a more mature uh, type of interaction or reaction. But anyways, so eventually uh, we find that as a result of this, you know, her daddy starts to get curious. Uh, and this is where I am side-eyeing the king because I'm like, yo, I get it. I get it. In this case, I don't know, I guess it's two different species we're talking about. But in this case, like his reaction was he found out that she was in love with a human was kind of like, you know, something that a racist would say. <laughs> like somebody like who, I mean, just found out that their uh, child is in love with some of a different race that they're not a fan of. Like, I felt like his reaction was similar to that. So, lo and behold, after all that, you know, uh, Sebastian ends up accidentally snitching and uh, telling him everything that occurred, like the shipwreck and how she saved Eric or whatever. So, then we find, uh, fast forward, and it becomes the point where, uh, as it, out of anger, he basically, uh, you know, her daddy, the king, like, he basically ends up destroying her room where she had all of the, you know, all of her collectibles and where Flounder had also delivered this statue of Eric. Uh, and it was like awkward because you know when he when the king walked into her room like the room uh the first time like she was all up in the statue's face or whatever so that to me like also signifies and goes to show that like she was like really smitten by his looks like she was really really uh attracted to him because of that and that that was I guess what uh qualified as love at first sight but yeah, so after that, she gets, you know, she, obviously she's hurt by this when her dad destroys the room and he's hurt too because I guess he feels some sort of betrayal. Um, he feels like he worked so hard for his daughter and like he, you know, the backstory is that he was mad at humans for killing his wife. So he already had this like whole anger towards them and all this belief that, you know, the sea life and uh you know mer people and and humans should stay away from each other so it was kind of like a slap in the face to him that his youngest daughter you know would sit there and actually be the one to fall in love with somebody or say that she's in love with a human you know so i get it i get it but at the same time it's like you know his reaction like looking back at it like now is like oh okay like her daddy racist <laughs> not racist but you you get what I'm saying like um his reaction it, it would be typical of someone who who would not want their like daughter or child dating a particular race and then they find out that that's what they're into yeah so out after all of this that's when uh out of you know Ariel's disappointment and sadness and I guess like her being hurt 
by her dad's reaction and by like him destroying all those things like she ends up getting recruited by Ursula's two eels I don't know their names I forgot um but they end up taking her to see Ursula so girl you're about to be out here doing some witchcraft to try to find this man okay like tell me that that's not an extreme right there you're really about to fall into some witchcraft <laughs> try like in order to try to uh, like, uh, attract this man. Like, you really want him that bad that you're about to, uh, fall into this trap from Ursula because you desire him so much. It can never be that serious, y'all. Like, I get it. People do, like, they dabble in that. You believe in what you believe in. I respect it. Like, it's, it's whatever to me. Like, I have my, my own sets of beliefs, like, and I, I know that everyone you know, everyone's different and everyone has free will, so they do whatever they do. But I think that just the fact that she went to that, ex like, like, she went, it was like an extreme, right? Like, uh, in order to, like, she hated her life in the sea so bad that she decided like in the ocean like she decided that she needed to get out of there and the only way that she could get out of there was through that man Eric that she quote unquote fell in love with you know so that's just like in in real life I guess like that's an element like there are different like cultures and different uh religions that do practice that but I do believe that I don't know maybe this is like uh I've heard it on tv maybe this is an actual fact like actually factual but I think that there are certain like laws that like most people go by and that's like not trying to infringe or not trying like not trying to violate someone's free will and not trying to uh like you know force somebody into falling in love with with them um, you know, I, I just think about Aladdin, <laughs> one of the three no-dos from, from the genie was, was that you can't make anybody fall in love with you, right? So, you know, just, I just found that part interesting as well, like that she would go through that. So it's this where we're reintroduced to Ursula and we actually, she actually gets more screen time this time and we kind of figure more of... I guess who she is, what type of villain she is. She ends up introducing herself to Ariel, trying to say that basically she's not evil anymore, that she's just there to help people. And one of the things that I also like, <clears throat> I'd like to point out is the fact that uh, it also, just the way like how she was basically showing that like, how one person wants one thing and the other one wants another thing and that like she'll help them it it's it it's the same thing as like everyone wants what they can't have or what they're not the opposite right so she I think she talks about someone wanting to be skinny someone wanting the girl and so she helps them out and uh obviously there's conditions to her services and she will retain their souls if she if they don't come through 
right? If they don't uphold their their end of the bargain. So, you know, it's it's funny because in in real life, I guess some people even if you look at it nowadays, some people are just that willing to do whatever it takes in order to fit whatever mold that they think like, you know, let's let's look at like the beauty standards for instance. Everyone like there's so many people who want to have that same aesthetic, like they want to look like the Kim Kardashian, like, you know, the Kardashians or whatever, like, they want to have that, their body type, um, so they're so willing to, like, do that and to change that, sometimes they won't even, you know, they won't even go, like, try to work for it at the gym, like, they'll just go and get surgery for it, and you don't know how many people have died trying to chase that, uh, that standard, or, or like they, they think that their life will not be complete or they would be much happier once they have the perfect body or what they think the per- perfect body is. So in reality, like it's even, we find that even nowadays, people are willing to do some, like go to extremes in order to obtain what they, like what their ideal life or their ideal looks are. Uh, you know, vanity is, is real out here, you know, and even, even in, in The Little Mermaid, you can see that people being dissatisfied with their current reality and then thinking that it only takes, like, for me to truly be happy, I need this, they're willing to really risk it all. That is a real thing. And I find it, you know, one of the things that I, I kind of, like, chuckled when I was watching was the fact that, Uh, when Ariel, like, she's talking to Ariel about it, Ariel actually stops to think, like, okay, well, if I'm a human, if I become a human, then I I will never see my father and my sisters again. But she still proceeds. She still proceeds to take uh, Ursula's, like, to take on Ursula's deal or whatever. Um... Excuse me, in order to, like, uh, be with Eric, she really, at that point, which is why I, I feel like it is also proof of the fact that Ariel is self-centered. <laughs> she does not care about anybody else but herself and what she wants. The fact that she's willing to be okay with never seeing her family again, oh, to just to secure Eric and to, to be able to get out of the sea. Like that's that's kind of like what messages what message were what was Disney sending us back in the day because like that's that's like to the extreme, and then another thing that I find is that part of the deal that they make is that uh, Ursula will give Ariel legs so that she can go to the surface, but in order for her to remain a human, she will need to get. Eric to kiss her to fall in love with her in three days and in order for it to be for her to stay human like he actually has to fall in love so it has to be true love's kiss and one of the ways I guess that she ups the ante is the fact that she is basically has to give her up her voice for collateral. So now Ariel has to try to find a way to get Eric to fall in love with her without her being able to sing, without her being able to speak, right? So 
I just find that so interesting because I was like, yo, what were they telling us as children? Like, that women's voices, like, don't really matter. Like, they're not, you know, it's all about looks. Like, even if I go back and I, I pulled up the lyrics to the Poor Unfortunate Souls song, and it says, uh, it goes like this. Um, when Ariel questions, like, how am I gonna do all that without my voice? Uh, Ursula responds, you'll have your looks, your pretty face, and don't estimate, don't underestimate the importance of body language. And then she goes on to say, the men up there don't like a lot of blabber. They think a girl who gossips is a bore. Yet on land, it's much preferred for ladies not to say a word. And after all, dear... What is idle babble for? Come on, they're not all that impressed with conversation. True gentlemen avoid it when they can, but they dote and swoon and fawn on a lady who's withdrawn. It's she who holds her tongue who gets the man. So, that, to me, is also, like, pretty interesting because it's like, all right, uh, so you're basically trying to say that it's not about <laughs> a woman's personality. It's not about, like, her thoughts. Like, for her to secure the man, she has to speak less. Like, you know, she shouldn't share her opinions, her, you know, her thoughts. Like, that doesn't matter. What matters is her body. So I just find that, like, looking back as an adult, I'm like, damn. Like, that's kind of, like, messed up. That they were, like, they, that they even put that out there to us uh, as kids. Because their, their target audience is obviously, like, little children. And I remember, like, watching this when I was, like, five, six, seven. Like, you know, like, I was, like, really young. So, I don't know if, you know, like, obviously, from a, an adult's point of view, it's a little different. But I wonder if that messaging affected or, like, kind of stayed in, in our subconscious. Like, you know, as, like, little girls. And I'm talking about, like, you know, obviously I'm, like, speaking from my perspective and I'm a cisgender woman. But, you know, I'm, and I'm not trying to be, like, you know, to exclude anyone else who's, like, you know, uh non-binary or, uh, you know, transgender. Because I think that, I mean, it can apply to everyone. Even guys, because it even sends, like, uh, I guess male, cisgender male, uh, to cisgender males, like, they also receive a message from this whole interaction, which is, yeah, like, you know, it's it's from the other, like, perspective. Like, don't go for a girl who actually speaks her mind. Go for a girl who just looks good, you know? So I think that that type of messaging isn't good for anyone. It, it's not good for, like, people in general, for kids in general to hear that. Because I think that we all, as individuals, like, we have personalities, we have goals, we have wants, we have desires, we have... Uh, so many things, like, so many intricacies, like, so many things that make, makes a person a person, makes them them, makes them unique, you know? And I think that that's important, especially, like, it, when you're thinking about 
you know, sharing your life with someone, being in a relationship, that stuff definitely matters, right? What good is it to just be with someone over looks, knowing damn well that looks fade? Like, we don't stay young forever, right? Uh, eventually, you know, we start getting wrinkles. Like, if you're blessed enough to actually live, like, a, a decently long life, right? You're not gonna look the same way that you did when you were 20 at the age of 50, right? Like, you're still gonna have, like, you know, your your body might change because your hormones, like, your, your skin might change a little bit. Like, you might have, like, less, uh, you know your your cheeks might look a little bit like uh they might look hollow in in some ways or you might get like wrinkles like crow's feet things like that you know things happen we change right so if you're just with somebody over their looks right and then that phase then what what else do you have in common and even like at a certain point, like, just thinking about it from a perspective of, like, you know, like, sex and everything like that. Like, people get busy, like, once you, you know, you start incorporating kids and, like, a busy schedule, like, you kind of have that, like, I don't, I don't think that, like, every married couple has sex, like, all the time, or people that are, like, in a, a relationship, like, they probably have it less than, like, what we think that they would, like, when you're single, but, like, that's another thing. Like, that's, there has to be some sort of substance there to make you want to stay, right? I, I think it's almost like that your person should be somebody that you actually, like, you know, there should be, like, a friendship there as well, like, a love. You should have some things in common. You should be able to speak, like, feel safe with that person, right, and vice versa. I don't think that it's just... Like, obviously, it's it's not just about looks, because once you take that away, like, that's it. That's it. Like, what else do you have? Like, yeah, the first few years, like, of a, a new relationship, everything might be fine and dandy, but what happens when all that stuff dies down and you get into, like, regular, your regular routine and regular life? Like, what happens then? Like, I, for one... I really like my freedom. I like my space. I'm very sociable. I'm very, like, you know, I, I love people and everything like that. But I also currently like the fact that I can come and go and do what I want. And I don't have to ask anybody. I don't want to have to tell anybody. Like, I just do whatever I want. And I, I, I enjoy that. But I know that, like, in a relationship, right, if I were in a relationship, that would be a bit different. Because then... You know, you have to take that other person's feelings into considerations and then there are certain boundaries that you shouldn't cross because you're in a relationship. Like, especially, like, considering, like, I I'm talking about if it's, like, a monogamous relationship because I know people's situations are different. You know, some people prefer to be in open relationships or they're polyamorous, whatever. But me, like, in my thought process, like, I would eventually want a monogamous relationship, right? So, uh... Like, for me, I know that if I need my space, I start, I tend to be kind of, like, an a-hole sometimes. Like, I'm not as, like, emotional as I should be sometimes. Like, I understand this about myself. So, that means that whoever, like, I end up with has to be someone that can respect that, you know, and 
like at whatever you know I guess personality traits or like boundaries my partner would have right like I would also have to respect that and be okay with living with stuff like that otherwise it just why are you even together right because you know everyone gets old and uh you don't tend to stay like always like the same size <laughs> like years later like uh, you might be on the thinner side yes but maybe you still like as you age you still gain some weight right you end up looking different so it's like not that valuable to place like it's not that great to just go off of looks is what I'm I'm trying to say but it's just interesting how the messaging again once again is for females to just worry about their looks that's it worry about their sex appeal like so it what am I then just an object I'm not a human being like I don't have feelings like that's BS. Like, you shouldn't... That... I think that that... That is something that's crazy. That it's even... Like, they even have this, like, in... I... In in a child's, like, you know, movie. Right? So, I don't know if they're gonna revamp this. Because, you know, nowadays, everyone... They always, like, try to remake classics and stuff. So, we'll see if, like, they do, like, how they're gonna make... Like, what the depiction is going to be like and what the storyline is. I think from what I heard, there was a live action version of this, I guess, that they were working on. I haven't heard anything else about it, but maybe it's out there. If it is, let me know so I could watch it and just, you know, see, I guess, uh, compare my thoughts on this original version to, like, whatever the revamped version would be and usually because when they do those remakes they usually try to modernize them in a in in a a way so I it would be interesting just to see like how they would uh change this like the storyline to kind of like make it fit in today's world So after that, uh, Ariel, uh, ends up, again, uh, losing her voice, and Ursula ends up sending her up to the surface with her two new legs. After that happens, she wakes up to find that she has toes, and Ariel is fascinated by that. Uh, she's joined by... Sebastian, Flounder, and then Scuttle, the seagull, comes up shortly. After that, he it takes him actually a while to uh, figure out what was different about her, which is kind of funny. And by the way, fellas listening out there, my analytics say that I have more, like, fellas listening to me than females. So all this whole thing is not an attack on you guys. Uh, I get it. <laughs> Uh, I think, uh, all, all of these concepts can actually go both ways, right? But I'm just saying, like, from my perspective as a female, so no offense to anyone out there listening, but I just think it's funny that, like, 
uh, scuttle. It takes him a long time. He doesn't even guess what's actually wrong with her, like, uh, or what actually is different, which I find funny because you go from having, a, you know, a fishtail uh, to having legs. That's, like, a pretty big change, so... It just made me think, like, sometimes, like, you'll do something, like, to your appearance and you'll change it and, like, no one will notice. Like, how, like, to you it's a major appearance, like, even even if it's something like your hair or something and you don't automatically get, like, someone telling you, oh, I noticed you did this, like, it kind of feels a little, like, it kind of sucks because <laughs> in your mind you think, like, oh, this is a big change. So I just thought, I, I thought it was kind of funny because it kind of related to that. Like, in my mind, that's what, like, I thought of. But anyways, after she washes up ashore and she has her little interaction with her friends, then Eric comes, okay? And Eric, you know, overall, I think that the little that we do get from Eric, because he's not actually, like, the main character or whatever, but the little that we do see from Eric, it does seem like he's a pleasant young man or whatever, like... You know, he's pretty nice. He's willing to help. He seems like he's caring. But what I, what made me laugh was when she, he first saw Ariel in this state. In his mind, he's sitting there and he's expecting that she's the one that helped him in the shipwreck. And he's, like, out here chasing because that's his ideal. That, that's the person that he knows he's supposed to be with, right? He knows that that, it was, like, love at first sight for him, too. But, unfortunately, like, he was trying to find her throughout this time, but he couldn't. And one of the things that he remembers that stuck out to him was her voice. So, once he's introduced to Ariel under this setting, he like almost looks just so disappointed when he realizes that it can't be her it can't be the one that he has in his like mind that helped him that day because she doesn't have a voice she can't sing so to me I like find it pretty funny because it's like it's like I've encountered this like you know I have male friends I have you know male cousins uh, and a brother and I'm not saying that this applies to anyone in, in particular, but I do find that sometimes, and this, again, this goes for either gender, because <coughs> I'm sure that there are women that also, and maybe I'm, I'm one of them too, like, you have an ideal, like, right, you have something in your mind, like, this is how I want my partner to be, this is how I envision them, this is how I envision their looks, or whatever, and when you aren't, you don't get that, or you're presented with somebody that doesn't fit that mold, like, you almost kind of dismiss them sometimes. And I guess, like, that, you know, that's a superficial thing, but I, I just find it that, like, it's funny that, like, Eric exhibits just that in this, uh, like, after this interaction. Because she doesn't fit the fantasy, the mold, like, the vision in his head. Like, he's disappointed by it. And almost after that point, even though he helps her, he doesn't view her the same way. He's still in his mind, like, he's still out here looking for the one that he, like, the, the same female that, like, he encountered before. So I think that in real life, it's like that sometimes. Like, people think, like, okay, 
just because I have like I have this this person here they're not everything that I want I'm not gonna give it a chance and I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna just either friend zone them or like overlook them or not even not even engage with them at all so I just found it that it was like kind of funny like that it takes Eric literally like to almost like to yeah like to almost the very end to realize that Ariel is the one he's looking for and if it's if like yes Ariel she comes in and she doesn't quite fit into his world because this is not only is he royalty but you know as a human being like uh he's used to like I guess certain actions and certain things and so I think that the staff around her will like when they interact with Ariel um in the beginning they're like they're, they they're kind of like I guess they find her amusing uh because you know the things that she does like she'll pick up a fork and she'll try she'll start to like brush her hair with it and stuff like that so those little things like to some may be endearing but at the same time it also shows that like she's like definitely an outsider in his world but it's funny because he's like willing to accept anyone uh as long as she he she fit like what in his mind like the expectation that he had from that first interaction that they had so although Eric does not seem to think that Ariel is the one, uh, he still does show that he is attracted to her in some ways. So much so that he's encouraged by, I don't know if it's like his, I don't know what you would call him, but like his friend, like his right hand man, whatever, to take her out uh, on the town and give her a tour. So this is when they are the scene where they end up on the boat and you gotta give it up to Ariel's friends like they were really like they really looked out for her they were really in this with her trying to help her the entire time and they were really really good like wing people because they tried so hard <laughs> to make it a romantic setting for them to uh, make sure that, like, he, he knew his, her name, and that, uh, they did basically everything in order to, like, uh, make them kiss, and they almost succeeded, but then, you know, you, you have, uh, Ursula's little minions come and ruin it, but it's, to me, I thought it was, at, first off, I like the, the kiss the girl song, like, that was also one of my favorites from the movie as a child. I, I really liked it. And, but it's, I don't know, it's, it's like as an adult looking back, it's this, I guess this movie, like from all the ones where, you know, like they're always like the prince has to kiss the princess in order to wake her up or in order to save her, whatever. But this one was actually... I think from what I can recall, like, the only movie where, like, it's actually, like, she's actually alert <laughs> and awake and wanting it. 
uh, unlike Sleeping Beauty, like, uh, you know, or Snow White, those kisses with the prince, like, they occurred when the, the girl was, like, completely, like, knocked out. Like, she couldn't consent. <laughs> if we, if we bring it to today's terms, right? But I like that she was, like, I know that she had a motive behind it, right? Like, she already knew that that was a mission to get her to, to kiss him. But I like that, like, you know, they were both, I guess, vibing in a way. Even though they had a lot of help from, like, outside factors and her friends, you know? Uh, but, you know, at that point is when Ursula realizes that she's too close to losing the 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 wager she's too close to losing it so she ends up deciding that she's gonna step it up and she's gonna use ariel's own voice in order to and like and witchcraft or whatever in order to get eric to marry her instead there's always got to be a wench like there's always got to be somebody that tries to come and stop, you know, true love. <laughs> Even though in my, I'm I'm skeptical. Like I don't think that it is true love. Uh, looking back at it, but you know, for the story's sake. And then we see that, just you know how heartbroken Ariel is and disappointed when she sees him with another woman. And mind you, the way that uh, Ursula presents herself and inhabits like the, whatever, I guess, the projection is like, she's also, she's like mysterious. She has like, you know, nice hair. I guess you could say she's sexy or pretty as well. And then, uh... Even though there's also a magical element there that she puts him, puts Eric under a trance, right? It just goes to show also, like, in real life, like, stuff like that does happen. Sometimes you think that you're, like, in, like, on path or on track with someone and then somebody else will come and kind of steal that person's attention away from you. And they'll think, like, okay, let me go here because, you know, this person is, is like, looks better or they, they make me feel better or whatever. And for, I don't know, I just think it was, it was kind of funny, like, the way they depicted it, like, in the, in the, the animation and in the storyline because, like, I think that, you know, there is sort of a, a reputation for, like, especially, like, the men that I grew up around. Uh, I, I saw that a lot where, you know, there's a lot of elements of, like, guy, like, men being more, like, lustful. And I'm not saying that it's just men, obviously. But, like, you know, they're in these, like, committed relationships and then all of a sudden, like, they'll step out for somebody that, you know, can seduce them and looks better or whatever. But I just, you know, uh, after that is when we hit the scene where with, after Ariel sulks or feels bad for herself for a little bit, then 
her and her friends decide, oh no, we're going to intervene. We're going to actually going to stop this. And then eventually it's exposed that, you know, they save Eric and they, they expose the fact that it, it was Ursula the whole time. And because they were able to smash the pendant or the shell that uh, Ursula had, it returns Ariel's voice. But at the same time, when her voice returns, her legs return as well. I mean, I'm sorry, her fit, her fishtail or, or her fin. Uh, I've been calling it a fishtail the whole time. I don't know if that's even the correct term. But like her fin, I guess, flipper, whatever, like comes back as also. So at this point, Eric snaps out of it and realizes that she's the one that he's been looking for this whole time. But also, it's interesting that he also has to see the reality of who she is. She's a mermaid. Up until then, like, it's like she was also, like, kind of hiding a part of herself, her true identity, in order to be able to be with him. But it, it's also, like, I like the fact, like, I guess in this situation, the spin and how, how it happens that it's not only until she is fully, like, vulnerable and shows that her true self to him that he's then able to... Uh, actually turn around and accept her and, and understand or, or, or see that that's the one that's she's the one he's been looking for the whole time um so yeah you know then we have like the battle that that goes down that involves like her dad trying to sacrifice himself in order to let her be happy and uh eventually you know Ursula loses and uh, the king decides that he does not want his, his daughter to live miserably. So he ends up granting her uh, legs. And then for, from then on, like, they end up, you know, getting married and living happily ever after. She ends up, you know, it's, I guess it's a joint marriage at one, like, the union or the ceremony. You see that the land... And see, like, they kind of merge together in a way. They come together in celebration. But they still must live separately. One thing that throughout this whole thing, so, yeah, like, that's their happily ever after, whatever. Fine. One thing that I also, looking back at this whole story as an adult, I kind of feel a little bit, like, as I was, uh, like, when it comes to Ursula... I feel and I I see that there is more layers to her than what I think, you know, as a child you can pick on, up on. You kind of just think like, okay, yeah, she's, she's evil. Like, she's a witch. She's bad. She's ugly. She's bad. She's mean, right? But I think that... The fact that Ursula was outcasted, right, uh, and she was made to look like, you know, you know, she's, she's obviously, like, doesn't fit the aesthetic of the perfect world, you know, uh, she has, uh, like, her, her skin is different, like, she doesn't look, fit the mold of what beautiful would be. Uh, she's depicted in a way that makes, as a child, you're looking at it like she's ugly. 
So the fact that she's outcasted and this also may be due to, you know, her being evil, right? But if we, like, just put this to the side, I think my theory is that because she was outcasted, she began to grow resentful, right? Uh, she began to grow uh, jealous of the other creatures who could live in harmony, who looked a certain way, who, who fit the mold of what beauty, uh, like, beauty is. And because of that, and because she was made to feel like she could never be loved, right? She then becomes, I guess, like, power, power hungry. Like, she decides that she wants to uh, try to go for power. Like, instead of actual love or fitting in. And I find that, that that's, like, something that may be, uh, in current times, right? Sometimes, like, they think that, like, women who are in powerful positions or whatever, like, they tend to be, they tend to look miserable or they tend to be bitchy. They tend to have strong personalities or whatever. But that's not necessarily always a truth. Like, there's layers to it. There's, like, a backstory. There's, like, other elements to it. But I think it's, like, interesting that we kind of forget about Ursula and just think, like, oh, she was just like that because she's evil. But there has to be a reason. And I think that part of that reason for her being like that is because she did not get acceptance from everyone else. So we've come to the part of the this this, this episode where we get together and we actually just do a quick recap and I, I'm sorry that this episode is so long because I, I I wanted to keep it like simple which is why I wanted to do a two-parter but now after like everything as has been said and done and I've recorded uh I think that it's probably the best so we'll see how the next episode comes out because I actually want to get uh, more so again into like the creepier and like the more like the you know the the legends and all that stuff uh I wanted to keep this episode kind of on the light side today uh for those people who aren't necessarily into uh you know creepy or scary so I know uh some of my friends don't really like that so since they're supporting uh the the podcast by you know by listening they're supporting me i want to also uh throw in some things you know like uh that are a little bit on the lighter side that might be just funnier and where they can you know we can just have a conversation about media and about like things that we grew up watching and everything like that so Again, it's come to the part of the show where we actually do a recap on what we learned today. I believe that we've learned overall that Ariel is an asshole. Sorry, Ariel. <laughs> I know you probably have a lot of fans out there. But, I mean, it's okay. You're, you're entitled to be an asshole because, number one, you, you, know, you were a princess. You were the baby. And you got your way anyways in the end. So, uh, yeah. Uh, 
two, you know, everyone's happily ever after looks different. I think that, again, the way we were conditioned in the past to believe that in order to achieve real happiness, we had to have certain things in our lives. I think that we're moving away from that. And especially like people, as they get older, they start to see uh, when things don't go as planned in life, you start to really understand that. Another thing is Ariel to you, sis. I just wanted to, you know, reiterate the fact that we've learned that, you know, the sea might be better because this adulthood shit is for the birds. Like, it, it sucks. So if you guys, for, my, for the youngins that are listening to this, like, you know, l- try to live in the moment. Uh, enjoy your life. Don't rush past, uh, you know, your current phase. Enjoy it. Soak it in because time flies before you know it. You'll be, you know, a full-on adult with bills and stuff. And that's definitely not fun. And the same thing I, I would say for my, uh, you know, my older listeners and people, you know, well into their adulthood, like in their 30s, 40s, and beyond or even their late 20s, like, just, uh, again, also live in the moment. Enjoy it. Life goes by so fast, and sometimes we focus on the wrong things. And as opposed to actually focusing on the things that make us happy and the things that are worth it. Because at the end of the day, right, everything can change in in, in just a small instance. And... The things that you, I think, you take with you or the impact that you make on this world is the memories. Not only the memories that you made, but the memories that you left behind for others. Um, I would say, I don't know what number we're on. I think like four. Uh, but, you know, mind your business. Uh, you can't really save everyone. Uh, don't put yourself in a situation where you're gonna drown yourself trying to save someone else you need to take care of you first and then you know if someone needs help like you know help them with what you can but don't do the most trying to be trying to like you know save someone every everyone who is going through something or just in general in this journey of life like everyone uh has their own story and their own journey to go through i'm not saying just completely be all about yourself be selfish and all that and and you know ignore other people's suffering but i would say just assess sometimes like we give and we do the most out of emotion, you know, and out of like wanting to have control and make everything perfect around us. But that's not necessarily your place. You know, sometimes it's just, you know, you have to take the step back, assess the situation, make sure that you're good so that you can give from a, a place that isn't gonna, you know, uh, completely mess you up. But that is also going to be like meaningful help to the other person that you're trying to help. Sometimes we overstay our welcome trying to save or trying to help someone. And at the end of the day, they don't appreciate it and they're not ready to accept that help either. So just mind your business, work on yourself. But also, you know, like before you do act and 
you do try to help someone, assess the situation, take a step back, don't be so impulsive with it, and and don't put yourself in a situation where you're just gonna, you know, screw yourself over. Um, another one I think is what we learned from, I think overall, with how the relationship between Ariel and Eric, uh, you know, obviously there's more to love than just looks. You have to be able to compromise. Uh, you have to look at other things like compatibility. Uh, when you're in a relationship, it's two individuals. Like, normally, it's two individuals. Uh, I'm not really speaking from a polyamorous uh, deal or, or perspective, but normally the, I, the ideal or like the accepted... Uh, widely accepted version of a relationship is when, you know, two individuals come together and they become partners. And that means that they, you know, you still have to be yourself. They still have to be their self. But you guys have to work together and be willing to, to take each other as you are. Which also brings me to another point. Uh, based on Ariel and Eric's relationship, which was the fact that Ariel didn't, you know, Eric, once Ariel fully revealed herself uh, and, and, you know, she became, she was in her natural form, her natural state, you know, at that point, that that's when Eric, I guess, was able to really see her. And... When you're looking for a partner or love, you know, that's something that you should think about and consider. Like, can I be myself with this person? And then uh, I would say that another thing we learned is that, you know, Ursula was potentially a hoe. You know, based off her, you know, mannerisms, her sex appeal, and how she was letting, uh, you know, she told Ariel... You need to, uh, you know, don't underestimate the power of body language. And, yeah. And how she uh, seduced Eric, or she was trying to seduce Eric into a marriage, like, using her body and, and trying to be, you know, you know, sexy with it, I guess. But, yeah. So, that's all I have today. I'd like to thank you for sticking it out with me. I know this is a very long episode, but if you stayed this long, you're the bomb.com and I will see you again soon. Thank you for joining me on today's adventure. I hope you enjoyed it. Before you leave my curious corner, remember, I'll be here ready to welcome you in next time. Stay safe and pleasant dreams. Love always, Cat.